Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70mm, a podcast for film lovers just like you. Every Monday, I chat about recently watched movies with my close friend and artist, Danny Haas. Ingrid Bergman. She's stunning in this. I can't get over every look in this film when they're in the room together one night on the couch and she's wearing that like satin dress. I'm like, are you kidding me? And my close friend and movie insider, Pert Alexis. Yes, Kate Blanchett. I will be shocked if Kate Blanchett does not take home the gold, the golden man. Every month we have a new theme that guides our featured presentation for that episode. And this time, every pick we make will be from the VHS Village Top 100 Movies of All Time. Danny's pick from that list? Casablanca from 1942. Is it the greatest movie of all time? Or is Humph a bit too wooden for us? Let's find out together. My number one note to start the show off is a five bang. Oh God. That I saw in my letterboxed app. Wow. Oh. Five five bang came across my feet as I'm refreshing. And it was Kate Blanchett. The movie we've all been waiting for the movie insider to watch. Mm-hmm. Just just real quick. We'll get into the movie insider going dark on IG very soon. I know I'm getting a lot of DMs. Where's the movie insider on IG? Where's his videos? Where'd they go? But for now, maybe he's been busy watching Tar. Proto, is that true? It's true. I have watched Tar. Is that how you pronounce it? Tar? No. Yes. It's a long A. (laughs) Tar. Yes, Kate Blanchett. I will be shocked. If Kate oh. Blanchett does not take home the Oscar for best oh. performance. The gold. The gold. You're, the you're saying she's going to win man. the gold. She's got to win the gold. Oh, uh, I, of course, have not seen all the <laughs> actresses nominated. Mm-hmm. But I think this performance is kind of enough to, you know, you watch it and you're like, who who else? Who else could do this? Right. Um, so I'll be shocked if she doesn't win. I, I kind of have it as a lock. If you're a betting person, I do not condone betting. You should not do it. But if you will, if if you're, you know, you can't refuse, my money's on Kate Blanchett. You heard it here first. It was quite a, it's a quite a picture. I mean, Slim, you saw it. I did. Todd Field. Vision. Is he a master? <laughs> he could be. He could be. Um, I, that's, this is the first movie I've seen of his. You know, he only has two others. But um, I'm going to say this is not a movie for Danny. So Danny should probably You've just done stay this away. twice to me in yeah. the last month. What was this the other a, movie you said was not a Danny movie? This is boring, right? That's going to be the review. This is boring, <laughs> right? I swear. Bored out of my mind. Gold medal winning performances. She's going to win the gold. That's why it is. I've seen you do it before. I mean, Once no. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Garbage. Solaris. Oh, God. Solar- You're bringing, throwing Solaris in my face? That's the top 100 greatest movies of all time. On which list? Mine. <laughs> <laughs> so how many, so 
this is a long movie. How many sittings did it take for you to finish Tar? Uh, I, I think two. Yeah. Two sittings. Yeah, it was a, it was a two sit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most movies are two sit. I mean, a hundred minute movies usually two sit for me. Oh, gosh. Right. There's a lot of talk about the one scene in Tar that was like the, the one-er. I'm doing air There's quotes. One-er? The one-er. Did you notice that there was a one-er? Oh. A, a continuous I, shot. I was counting like eight one-ers. Some of these scenes that, you know, I'm starting to check my watch. I'm like, how long is she going to go on here? My gosh. <laughs> so I don't know which one they're refer- referring to because there was a bunch of them. Have you dug into the uh, deep dive some folks have gone into about the, the layers of things happening in the background and the kind of motives what? of certain people in that movie? Like it, it kind know. of unfolds in a different way. Oh no, I haven't. I, won't I say haven't much dug more in. than that, but okay. it might be worth digging into. Do I need to dig? <laughs> <laughs> Casablanca is our featured presentation this episode. Just mere moments. Use the chapters in your app if you want to skip right to Bogey. Casablanca, roughly translated. I looked this up. House of Cards. Hmm. And uh, Ingrid Bergman. Really? Yeah. House of Cards. Just looked that up. Uh, that is from the VHS Village Top 100 Movies of All Time. So this entire month, we're only choosing movies from that list that Mackenzie put together as voted on, balloted from our supporters. Mm-hmm. Hanging Chads back again. Oh my gosh. In the VHS Village. <laughs> Did we ever, we were like making jokes. One of the voting things we did in the past, I was Googling like Hanging Chad Florida photos mm-hmm. from the mm. year 2000 and theorizing how we could potentially do some face deep action on those photos because there's some good ones out there amazing photos uh say hello to Britt who joined our patreon this week got access to the vhs village discord discounts on danny's prints uh, episodes in the 70 millimeter vault you can join too using the link in our episode notes can i just say again i said it last week and as of live recording danny hasn't unleashed the art oh gosh but Danny has found another gear. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible to find more gears, Shifting. but Danny sent the sent us the photos of the new art you're looking at right now. If this is Monday release week, it's mm. insane, insane, Thank unsustainable. You. Some people were saying, "What?" Some people were saying that. Who? Can he continue this on? Gosh, at trying. this level, I've peaked. So no, no one would say that. Okay, but it's Thank amazing, you, though. amazing work. I appreciate that. Full Metal Jacket, Danny watched. You thought to yourself, how could I continue this high that I'm on mm-hmm. from making this beautiful art for Casablanca? Yes. I'm going to sit down and watch Full Metal Jacket <laughs> for the first so, time. <laughs> so I don't do a watch list, okay? And I wanted something. Do you have a hidden watch list, private list that you, you can, still you tell us about? That. I don't have that. I know you can see my back end. <clears throat> so I went, I, I wanted to watch a movie from the 80s. I went to Letterboxd, clicked on 80s, <laughs> and I sorted by most popular. And I went to see what would be the first one that came up on the list that I hadn't seen yet. And I got all the way down to Full Metal Jacket. I hadn't seen it. I don't really enjoy war movies, but, you know, Kubrick, let's mm-hmm. do it. Uh, yeah, fired it up. And I... It's incredible. It's a, it's a, it's heavy. It's, it's hard to watch. D'Onofrio is amazing in it. Uh, Michael Modine's amazing in it. Uh, obviously, his cinematography is incredible. And it's just, um, 
it's a it's a it's a dark movie. I think I like. I was thinking about it. I think I like Apocalypse Now a little better because it's a little more fantastical. Mm. Um, but uh, Full Metal Jacket just felt like this is this is it. This feels very real, very raw. Um, especially, I mean, the beginning really got me good with the basic training and mm-hmm. stuff going on with that. So that that was that kind of it really sets the tone for the rest of the movie and. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but it no. was a, it was amazing to watch and finally see and check off that list. I think I saw that in high school, and I probably thought the same thing. Like this is crazy. I'm not sure if I'll ever rewatch. So I, I looked to see who the cinematographer was for that Douglas Milsom, hmm. who also shot Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. My God! <laughs> what a, and also uh, Highlander: Endgame. Very varied filmography. Hmm. Is 80s cat. month right around the corner? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Is that the imagine? only way we can top <laughs> 70s month? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed it on an on amazing movie level. Mm-hmm. Not as much as the... I, I sat with myself for a minute like, God, war is, war is rough. <laughs> we know that, but <laughs> right. it's hard to watch some of that stuff. It took you until 2023 to have that really sink in. I think I hell. pulled the ripcord on war movies after watching Save a Pride and Ryan. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't, right. this makes me hate movies, mm-hmm. how I feel. Did you amp it back up in your Bond journey? I did. I finished The Last Dalton, A License to Kill, which I had seen before, but um, had to watch it again. And it's, it's such a good time. It really is such a good time. Uh, I love the the breakdown of a, revenge story with James and oh. how he it's not just like his revenge like his revenge is a big part of it but also he's screwing up like years of CIA and detective mm-hmm. work bringing down this giant drug ring so his revenge is screwing up all this other stuff too and it's just it's such a good time I really do and love Timothy Dalton in these movies I mean, if I can pull a quote from your review oh there's a plane sequence that is almost identical to oh. the opening of Dark Knight Rises. And after what I saw in Heat, you have to ask yourself, has Christopher Nolan ever had an original thought? Hmm. Some massive gas tanker explosions in this, and I'm just going to assume now it will be lifted for Oppenheimer. Yeah, I really felt like that. I mean, you've seen it. There's a plane sequence where I I felt like I'm going to watch Bane drop out of this thing to attack James at some mm-hmm. point. I was mm. beside myself. Mm. Yes. Danny's aggression towards Nolan, it just keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> the more I've uncovered peeling back the onions of cinema. <laughs> All I can picture is Christopher Nolan's pursed lips. <laughs> Sitting back watching a laser disc, a license to kill, his taking notes. scarf. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's see. Who else? We have to give out... <laughs> Does anyone have a gif of his lips pursing? That would be tremendous. Uh, every week we give out a free year, free year of Letterbox Pro. Disclaimer, I'm a Letterbox employee. Uh, and the, this week's winner, well, first of all, Letterbox Pro gets rid of ads. You get stats uh, mm. that you can look at all year round, among other things, see where all your your movies and your watch list are streaming and your favorite services. Uh, this one came up when you post, we posted the new art, Danny and the art of 70 mm gallery show. When imagine being surrounded by these that comes from Seth Vargas. 
Gosh, a, a gallery show. That'd be when, incredible. When is the gallery show happening? I got to. Do we have any that. friends in Florida that have like a pop shop? Is that what they're I called? Do. Pop up shops? Yeah. Are we? Is this? Hmm. How think about this. I mean, should we wait? We'll have like an even square section, but then the new, like the oh, updated each poster the size section. Yeah. Could do this. Oh my wow. God. I'll be like grilling hot dogs in the back on like the cafeteria griller. <laughs> Complimentary dogs. <laughs> Free dogs. <laughs> Free dogs at the Galleria in, in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Instant classic. What do I want to talk about? Let me pull out my diary. Pick up something. I did watch a, a movie that I am interested to hear Proto talk about. It's called The Hidden from 1987 with Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, yeah. Proto's boy. Uh, the synopsis for this, when an average law-abiding, when average law-abiding citizens suddenly turn to a life of hedonistic behavior and violent crime, Detective Tom Beck is tasked with helping young FBI agent Lloyd Gallagher to determine the cause in this tense sci-fi thriller. And it's like a sci-fi, uh, you know, not like buddy cop. It's not like super, really a comedy. I mean, it is pretty funny, but Kyle McLaughlin and this other dude that I've never even heard of, Michael Nori. Um, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers meets Men in Black. And it's, I don't know, it, it was very strange. It definitely seems like a movie that's been lost to the sands of time. Um, but it's like this alien that burrows into your mouth and takes over your body oh and God. just like loves listening to loud music and loves to steal 1980s Ferraris and drive what? fast. What? And the Ferraris from the 80s, my God. Talk to me. Sexual. Name one. The Ferrari 300. Was it a 300? <laughs> I don't know the model, but I mean, well, I it looks great. That. Just Google Ferrari 1986. And I mean, it might be called the 300. I don't freaking know. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I hit up Proto and said that... Uh, or in my review, I said it was the role Kyle was born to play. Mm. So I'm interested to get Proto's take on what yeah. that means. I've had this movie on my my watch list. Um, and it, I, I don't know how to describe these movies, but it's like a, a category of movie that is, it's like small. I would have never have heard of it unless, you know, I've only heard of it because of Letterboxd. But there's other movies. Like I watched this movie called The Third Wave um, from the seventies, like a couple, a couple months ago, mm -hmm. that movie with Gene Hackman night moves. I don't, that movie kind of reminds me of this too. I don't know how to describe them, but they're like these small, short movies that I've never heard of that are, you know, over 30 years old. And you just kind of like, they don't even have to be good. It's just sometimes yeah. it's fun to get lost in a movie like this. It's like non-expensive, non-mainstream movies from like those decades. Yeah, that are just three perfectly fine three-star movies you can have on in the background, and it's not going to change the world, but you're you'll have fun watching it. Hmm. Josh wants to know about what about eighty for Brady? I was going to bring that up. Eighty for Brady got a screening in King of Prussia, PA, and I got there. The demographic in that auditorium, Talk the age average, never seen anything like it. I don't remember the last movie I was seeing where I was the youngest person in there, probably about 20 years. Um, wow. I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, everyone's seen the poster. It looks like not great. It looks like it's a- Wild hogs. 
<laughs> it's like, would you be interested in seeing wild hogs? Like no, at any cowboys. point, men or women. <laughs> um, and I just know that they like love Tom Brady. They like, try to go to the Super Bowl based on a true story, evidently. Oh. Um, but it has an amazing cast. Um, so I, I gladly said yes to the screener screening invite and I had a great time. I loved it. I was cracking up. It was funny. <laughs> the writing was very smart. Editing was great. Uh, it had heart. It had a mm. lot of heart. Uh, mm. Sally Field, I, I'm, I'll say it right now. Crushing. Sad. I'm in love with Sally Field. Mm. I don't care who knows it. It's my truth. Tell the world. I hope everyone understands where I'm coming from. Rita Moreno, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. They're all incredible in this movie. Mm. So yeah, it was fun. I mean, the average rating on Letterboxd is like three and a half stars. It's I good. saw it with like an audience that had a great time. I was cracking up. So you know how I rate these movies. If I have a fantastic time and I start to tear up, you're borderline five-star territory <laughs> automatically. <laughs> so you need to go with like top tier audience. Yeah. Pre-nooner. I, I, you have to go pre-nooner. You got to go early. Matinee. Yeah. Before brunch. Sooner. Yeah. Right. This is a brunch mm-hmm. film. Absolutely. There's some cameos in there, but they're not really gratuitous. Um, they work with the story. I mean, at, at some point you do have to realize that like Tom Brady is going to be, I don't know. I don't give a crap about sports. People have like, oh, you a Patriots fan? Ugh, ugh, what's that mean? Like, Tom Brady is in it. Um, he might be one of the worst actors in the history of film. No. Oh, yeah. Tom, please. He's been in some other stuff, I know. But I would have I would have asked for maybe 40, 50 more takes from Tom Brady Oof. in his appearances. But what can you do? You know? It's not Kubrick. He's he's quote unquote the greatest actor or the greatest <laughs> the greatest <laughs> QB quoting? of all time. He's probably driving a Ferrari 300 for all we know. Joe Montana. <laughs> Joe Montana. How many how many cups did Joe Montana win all in his them. time? Brady, seven for ten in the Super Bowl. Seven for ten. It's pretty good, right? What about Montana? Montana never missed. I don't know. Can we get someone three? to check, check what, that? Montaigne has like three. He's batting 100. Who's the Miami quarterback? Dan. Uh, Dan. That guy never Dan got the to the Super Bowl, right? He never even sniffed right, it. let's move on. It's weird that Brady played for 30 years and only made it 10. Dan Marino, I don't even know if he made the playoffs. I feel like he played for 40 years. I don't right? know. What are we talking about? <laughs> Sorry, let's move on. Uh, should we get into the movies or anything else we want to talk about? Casablanca. I don't want to talk about anything else but Casablanca. Right 1942 wow. from our VHS Village top 100 movies of all time. If we're only going to be talking about movies from that list, we'll have a link in the episode notes. This is Danny's pick, available in 4K. Part of what is this movie? Rick Blaine is an American expat who runs a nightclub in Casablanca. It's 1941, and civilians from all over flock to the city to escape the Nazi regime as the Third Reich's influence stretches across the globe. Rick's life is turned upside down when his old flame, Ilsa Lund, arrives at his nightclub with her husband, Victor Laszlo. Laszlo is a resistance leader who is a target of the local authorities and must escape the reach of the Nazis. With time running out for Ilsa and Victor to escape, it looks like Rick is the only one who can help. Casablanca. 
Pardon, do you remember the last time you saw this movie? Was this like a DVD you owned in your collection? Famous uh, movie? This was a VHS that my family owned. Um, I was trying, I was racking my brain trying to remember why I had seen this so many times. I, I'm assuming it was my mom. Uh, my mom must have put this on because I've seen this, I want to say over five times growing up. Uh, and I love the fact that on Letterboxd, they have the the old poster that was on our VHS um, box. It's like a, it's like a, a, the sepia toned one. Oh, that's, um, my, that's my preference. I think I changed mine. Yeah, I'll, I'll put like it in the, the chat here. Oh, yep. Yep, yeah, yeah that gorgeous. was on the on yep. the box. And so, yeah, I love seeing that again. It just brought back the memory. So, yeah, I've seen this quite a few times, but it hasn't been, it's probably been, it hasn't been in like 15 years or so. I had that on, I think, on a DVD box too. It might have mm. even been one of those fold. Yeah, if it was Warner Brothers, I guess it was one of those snap. The snap. Snap folds, like Matrix. The paper ones. Yeah. What about you, Danny? When was the last time you saw this movie? Um, The last time I saw this was the first time I saw this was maybe two years ago. Two, one or two years ago was my mm -hmm. first time, but I grew up um, with the segment on the great movie ride here in Orlando at MGM. Uh, that was like my most exposure to Casablanca was the segment where the, you kind of ride through the final scene of the movie. So spoilers. <sighs> thanks, Disney. Ruining what, that movie for what me. What ended up... Um, <laughs> Replacing was that Star Wars replaced the Great Ride? No, it's the the Runaway Rail here that oh just opened God. Disneyland. I don't want to talk about it. Who is making these decisions? Oh, is it Saint the worst people in the world? Actually, <gasps> ET um, somehow safe. We lost the Great Spielberg ride. has his hold on Universal. I'm not losing that. Mm. Uh, but there was always the rumor um, that Disney was pushing that in the Great Movie Ride. There's a there's an actual the same exact plane that they would leave in, in the movie hmm. they have, they have the actual plane in Casa in the, in the ride. And they, they always said that it was from, it was the actual plane from the movie, but wow. uh, it's a complete lie that they oh. were pushing uh, because in the movie it, uh, it's a, it's a pro, it's a wooden plane. Yeah. It's like a toy. It's, it looks like a toy plane. It's not, they never even had the plane in the movie. So um, more Disney propaganda. Yeah, so this is some random plane they bought in Texas that, you know, <laughs> only half fit in the ride at the back end of the planes on Jungle Cruise. Sheesh. I don't remember the last time I watched this. It might have been whenever I got my hands on it on DVD. I do regret, well, at the time I probably needed the money, but I think I traded in all of my DVDs at like GameStop or something for whatever those were worth back then. I shudder to even think. A nickel. <laughs> Shudder to even think of what I got for my movie collection. I probably had a car payment I had to pay, so some decisions were made. But one thing before we get into the discussion, as soon as the credits came up, I saw Jack L. Warner. Like, did you notice that on the on the credits? It was like produced by Jack L. Warner, mm -hmm. and I was I think this is the first time I ever noticed his name, and I was like, wait a minute, is that the Warner? Is that mm -hmm. a Warner one of brother? the brothers? Oh, yeah. And it was. Um, so I just breezed through his Wikipedia a little bit. So I, that's the first time I think I noticed watching a movie where I saw his name um, yeah. before. I have seen other movies. Like I watched Robin Hood recently, but I guess I never noticed his name on the uh, on the front marquee. So in this segment, we'll go round table. We'll jot down, as we watch the movie, we jotted down three things that we'd love to discuss with each other. And then we'll give our final thoughts and letterboxed reading. So Danny, this is your pick. 
Let's, let's hear from you first. Let's fire it up. Um, my my number one about this movie is um, there. I don't know that there's a there's another fictional place in cinema that I want to go to more than Rick's Cafe. Mm. I love the setting. I love the vibe of this place. I think um, it's an incredible amount of fun. The the beginning when you <clears throat> kind of pan through the crowd, you're going from table to table and it's all, it's different uh, characters. You're meeting new people in this, in this almost, it almost feels like the star Wars cantina. It's just different people from different places yeah. all over the place. And it's, it's just an incredible amount of fun and it looks incredible. Um, and it's just, I, I love Rick's cafe. I want to, I want to live there. I want to live in the apartment above this cafe and drink my everything away at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought the same thing. The the cafe, the bar itself is just as much a character as, you know, your three lead actors. And right. I thought the same thing. I wrote in my notes, I had some snarky drafts for a review, like an obvious casino homage from Ace running the <laughs> casino. And then I also thought of Carlito's way because Carlito runs a bar. Like after mm. he goes straight, he runs that bar. And I remember growing up, like both of those movies, man, what a sweet gig. <laughs> yeah. You run a nightclub. You're the coolest dude in that place. Mm -hmm. And it all comes back to Rick in this movie. Like all of that stuff is just Rick from Casablanca. Like he is the OG version of that, that they all are really like copies of. Yeah. You know, he's, he's running the show there. He's looks cool as hell. He's, he plays it down the middle, but he has his ulterior motives. And yeah, you're right. Like, who do we know at Universal that can put together <laughs> yeah. uh, Rick's, Rick's Bar Americana, whatever yeah. the hell it's called, and, and make a larger version? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, he's got the bachelor's dream, right? He runs his nightclub. Everybody everybody goes to Rick's. Everybody. Even, even if you kill two Germans, you're going to Rick's. You're not, it's not going to stop you from going to the nightclub. The Nazi's even brother that Nazis. you killed. The brother of the Nazi you killed 10 minutes ago. We'll see you at Rick's tonight. He'll come to Rick's. Everybody comes to Rick's. <laughs> oh, God. Prado, what's your number one? Uh, my number one. So, oh, so Humphrey Bogart, right? Mm -hmm. um, iconic role. A short king. Is he a short king? Oh yeah. Can anyone verify? He's wearing platforms in this movie. He's like oh, Tom. God. He can't he can't match Ingrid's height. Oh God. I think that you know, this is probably I ha you know, again, I haven't seen his whole I filmography. I watched mm -hmm. the Maltese Falcon last year, didn't really care for his performance there. Um He's five eight. Short king. <laughs> He's an inch shorter than I am in Wikipedia is Thank to you. believe. We're short kings. Slim. Oh God, I'm Please. short. I just had the revelation live rev <laughs> that I'm, I'm short. short. <laughs> Shut the show down. <laughs> Danny and the, like the, that's like the, sh the short king draft. Danny's making sure to get Bogart on his team. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I think he's like, you know, I think he's great in this role. But I really, I don't know. I, I do struggle watching it because he just seems so flat to me as mm. an actor. Like he almost feels like he might be like the Dwayne Johnson of his time. <laughs> oh my, oh God. my God. Holy <laughs> shit. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think like the you charisma of a flip flop Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> I, you know, I had questions about it too, because <clears throat> I've only seen one other movie 
with uh, Humphrey Bogart in it. Let me see if I can quick pull up that name. Maltese Falcon. No, I, I don't remember. Treasure the Sierra Madre. It was like a comedy that he was in. What are you watching? I, I can't find it. It was some kind of like slapstick. He's like a, a thief and they run escape prison. I can't remember. I think it was Humphrey Bogart. But I, I did have the same thought that like he's very one key. And I think the, I guess maybe that's the point because in the flashback is like the first time you start to see him have some emotion. Like when they're driving the car, he's grinning. Yeah. And like the green screen, you know, whatever the hell it was back then. I know it's not green screen. Everyone calm down. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like grinning in there. He's opening the champagne. He's having a great time. But maybe that was on purpose, at least for this particular role. Yeah. I mean, I love his delivery. Like his lines, his his comeback lines are incredible. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like that's, you know, that's because like, that's like his role. That is what he's good at. And he doesn't have much range, but maybe that's okay. Mm. Mm. What do you think, Danny? Um, <clears throat> I think I I agree with what you're saying, but it doesn't. I don't agree with it uh, as a negative. I think I think I like how he plays the role. Um, there's there's just something about it. Maybe I don't know. I think there is. He's not the most handsome of leading men at this time, right? So if it was like a Cary Grant or something, I. F- feel like it would there's like i don't know maybe there's something else more attractive about it but i don't know like i like i like humphrey in this i I like i like his flatness Mm. well don't get me wrong i do too like i think this is the the role he was born to play oh i'm picturing the dog on the bike backpedaling (laughs) yeah (laughs) the other movie i was thinking of was also directed by michael curtis or is it curtis i'm not sure i like saying curtis so i'll just say that but it's We're No Angels from 1955. That was another movie I saw him in. Hmm. Um, my number one. What do I want to think about first? I did watch the 4K of this. Oh. You know, as we've mentioned previously, we're staunch defenders of our mid-range budget TLC 4K TVs. Yes. So I watched the digital version 4K and Apple TV, and I thought it was stunning. Mm. The 4K, like, I'm still blown away that a movie that is almost 100 years old can look that clean and crisp on modern televisions. And it's almost like it was shot, you know, 10 years ago. Like, there's nothing that really screams out to me that the the film quality was so degraded that it's like, oh, yeah, this is a really old movie. It looks amazing, mm. the 4K version that I watched. Did, you, did either of you watch the 4K? Uh, yeah, I watched the 4K and it it is quite stunning. And I think it, um, I just think it goes to kind of like champion what uh, the cinematographer was doing with the the shadow and the lighting. And, oh. I mean, that leads into another point of mine. Like I can't get over the way this film looks. I mean, even if it wasn't in 4K, I remember thinking when I watched it a couple of years ago, just how incredible the black and white, the shadow casting. I mean, mm-hmm. there are moments where I'm kind of just watching the walls and seeing yeah. the like palm leaves like across the walls or the lampshades casting the shadows. Or I mean, they even use a shadow at one point when he's opening the safe to convey- Oh my God, that was insane. Whatever message they're trying. But it, either way, it's just <clears throat> it's just incredible. And then the 4K alone- 
just kind of enhances mm-hmm. what they've already done in this film. Yeah, the uh, I th- yeah I think I think it looked great. Um, I still I, to me for like the the black and white four Ks, Psycho is still is like the gold <sighs> standard. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it looked as like crisp as that. But I mean, it looked it looked great watching it in four K. And yeah, Danny, you're right. Like the composition of the shots, I was looking at the backgrounds too. Like there's the one shot where uh, Victor and Ilsa are like the first time they're in the in the the nightclub and Rick comes down and he sits down with them and the um uh the the lead cop or whatever is like oh uh you know sitting down with a guest yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like everything like everything is perfect like not a, like every part of the screen has detail to it even mm-hmm. like between the pillars there's a waiter in the background doing something like it just it, the the shots are so well crafted and so interesting and it's it's done so much just with shadow and light it's it's beautiful mm. there's a moment you just brought up when the cop um goes to sit but he he walks his shadow comes into the scene before him and it stops before he gets on the screen and you know mm. he's about to enter and I, it's so intentional but it's so smart like enter stage left here comes the cop but it, it's brilliant mm. the cinematographer arthur edison also did frankenstein the maltese falcon the invisible man and all quiet on the western front Jeez, quite a wow a lot of movies man if you were working in the 40s you were working. Mm. Like there's 93 movies on his filmography as a cinematographer. Yeah. The grind. Grinding hard. It's like five movies a year. Speaking of, um, uh, well, not speaking of, but did, like I was just thinking of, could you imagine if we had like a behind the scenes of this movie? Mm. Because one thing I do love, this has like the Hollywood magic of it, of where you could, you know, everything is just a set, um, you know, on a, on a, a soundstage. But just if you could see how all of this was constructed, not using a real nightclub, but just all the lighting and everything that went into it, I could watch like a, you know, a 12 hour documentary on the making of this. Of course, we don't have anything like that, but just, just the thought of if we could see how this movie was made, it would be so amazing. I listened to the hour and 41 minute commentary that's on the Criterion uh, channel did Mm. and from beginning to to end of the whole process of this movie, it it is bonkers that this was even ever made. I, I couldn't get over the stories, the fact that this was written for theater before it was even given up to Warner Brothers for a screenplay. I mean, I could see this on stage so well. I mean, can you imagine Casablanca on Broadway, just the sets and what they could do with it? I mean, I would kill for that. Mm-hmm. Um but it's yeah, you can listen to the 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 commentary, and it's it's quite impressive. Why aren't we in charge of Broadway yet? <laughs> Who needs to make these calls? <laughs> Three white men. Let's take over Broadway. <laughs> uh, caramba. Um, whose turn is it? I got sidetracked. Who just? I think was that a proto segue? I can't remember who went. I'm all out of sorts. Sorry. Um, Danny, go. You want me to go again? I'll go. I'll do another one. Ing- Ingrid Bergman. She's stunning in this. I can't get over mm. every look in this film. She looks incredible. The sh- when when they're in the room together one night on the couch and she's wearing that like satin dress. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? The lighting <laughs> yes. in that scene. She has to slouch because he's so short. It's just 
there's just so much about Ingrid, the way she carries about, the way she performs. She's just, I, I mean, we just watched Notorious last week and I, and I just can't get over how good she is. She's really just brilliant. And it's, it's also one of those things where as a cinema dullard, just now finding out about like Ingrid uh, and, and watching her career. It's like, I'm excited to watch more of her stuff. And I didn't, didn't know until recently that her, um, her daughter was Isabella Rossellini. It's just like, it's just crazy finding out more about her. Did you know that it was her when you watched Autumn Sonata? Yes. So I don't yeah, think she I knew that mom. until we did that episode. Or yeah, not yeah, that yeah. one, but you know what I mean? Well, no, I mean, I didn't know going into it mm. um, until I was there. Yeah, this one has some of the best, I think it's the combination of the lighting and the black and white in almost like every one of her scenes. It's just insane. Like the amount of shots that she looks, you know, hypnotizing in. Absolutely. Yeah. Glowing. I I try to think if what I thought of her in Notorious, because I remember liking Notorious, but I don't think I was socks knocked off like I had been uh, for Her Name Escapes Me, but I compared her to Brie Larson of, Today, I remember, I, I remember I said, like, she kind of reminds me of Brie Larson, but who is that? Oh, yeah. I remember Grace Kelly. That. Like, Grace Kelly. Oh, oh God. I, in, like, in terms of, like, yeah. I can't focus on anything when she's <laughs> on screen, Grace Kelly is, like, number one for for these older movies. Grace Kelly, rear window. Watch out. My God. Mm-hmm. Still, to this day, since I brought that question up, no one has explained to me how Jimmy Stewart went number two in that <laughs> cast. Like there's there's no modern explanation. His entire lower body was he was wearing cast. his cast and desert he's at style. home. Biggest plot hole. He was wearing he was wearing a desert style. <laughs> How did uh, he go poo? <laughs> I'm in the audience of the screening, the press screening. Uh, excuse me, Alfred. Can you tell me how he went number two, please? Yeah. Uh, what do I want to talk about? We've already exhausted my top three just by our conversation so far. So I'm going to be got to be more loosey goosey. I have a lot of notes. Um, so this was the first time like a modern watch where I forgot like her entire backstory. You know, they have that fling in Paris, mm-hmm. sexual fling. Um, they're driving around, they're getting champagne. She looks ravishing. Um, our boy still in a suit, you know, yeah. Just hanging out in that suit, opening the champagne. (laughs) It just cracks me up. Like, imagine seeing him nude, like around this time frame. It wouldn't even be possible. I'm not even sure if she probably saw him nude. Lights off. Maybe he's wearing the suit the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. These are the things I think about movies from this time frame. So, this is the first time that I remember hearing her story about how they had the fling and then she left because she got a communique that her mm-hmm. husband actually wasn't dead and he's alive. Yeah. So I was trying to, I'm not a hater. Ever Casablanca head, calm down. You know, I'm going to bring up some questions here. I'll answer the them. Time, the timing of her marrying the, uh, what's his face? Laszlo. Laszlo. Him being put into a concentration camp and dying, allegedly being killed. She moved on pretty quick. It's like, she was in Paris months ago where she heard that he was murdered and then she's having this fling with Humphrey. So the, this was like, I was like, damn, she's moving fast with hump with hump here. Yeah. Um, but that was just something I thought about 
and I guess really if she's like grieving, you know, this could be a form of her grief where she's like, right, so she sees please. someone and is ready to just go all in. We don't know how people process to, trauma. Yeah. Well, however you want to process it, concentrate you, you go trauma. for it. Um, so that, that's, I guess that's my second point. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have comment on that? I, you know, I didn't, watching it this time, I, I didn't really like totally buy their, oh, no. their relationship together, like in Paris. Like it just didn't, it didn't seem like there was enough substance there mm. for mm. what I'm seeing, for then to see Humph so broken up about it later. Right. He I mean, maybe it's the intoxication of Paris. Maybe. City maybe. of love. I think if this were filmed today, it would have been more like more modern fling ish. Like, I don't know what they would have portrayed a fling in the 40s as. Like, I don't know. I just maybe would have felt more normal if we saw two like people who were hooking up for a period of a week or two. And then being heartbroken after it because I don't know it's the '40s. So what, what are you going to do? Danny's pissed. <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm trying to process what I'm listening. Marcy right says now. people got married after know each other after a week back then. That's true. It's right. a different time. It's a hundred years time. ago. Freaking hundred years ago. For God's sake, Pardo. Uh, the thing that really struck me watching it this time was um, the living in the reality of. World War II. Mm. Um, and it also, it's crazy that this movie, this movie comes out in 1942. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're, we're, we're right in the middle of World War II mm-hmm. as this is coming out. So can you imagine like walking into a theater and, you know, every day in the newspaper, you're, you're hearing about the war, what, you know, the Nazis are doing. And then you watch this movie about Casablanca and like the Nazis occupying there and having like that's that like reality that must this movie must have hit so different I would think at the time. Um, but I also had this thought like when they're, you know, like the things that like people say like the world is ending. It's like oh my god, you know, Amazon has one day shipping. Like this is a sign <laughs> of the end, you know, end times. Like, could you imagine like Nazis rolling into your town in tanks? Like yeah. talk about thinking the world isn't like, could you imagine mm-hmm. that if you woke up and all you hear tanks outside and it's not like literal Nazis taking <laughs> over your country. Like think it like talk about the world ending just that, that kind of hit me um, more this time of, because like being a viewer when this came out and going to the theater and seeing that and like, wow, this could be a reality. Even like that line about, you know, where, where the, where the Nazi is asking Rick, like, Oh, you know, you know, what if we invade, uh, the, you know, the U S and mm-hmm. him like having that, you know, the snarky line about New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like hearing that of like, Oh my God, are the Nazis going to come here? Just like, w- what were people thinking at the yeah. time? Yeah. I was thinking about that too, because there's like a line that I can't remember who said it, it might've been Claude Rains talking about how Nazis don't kill that fast or can't kill that fast. So then I was starting to think about like, when did the world at large know about the Holocaust? And I, I just like literally just Googled this and they said like oh. the official proclamation from the allies didn't happen until December 17th, 1942. So this was filmed before, like, I guess the world at large, I think it started to circulate in late 41, but I'm wondering if that would have changed anything in this story because yes, everyone was desp- like thought the Nazis were despicable in this movie. They were uh, completely against them, but 
if like you had known that there was mass extermination happening, like would they really have been led into that bar? Like it just changes. Mm. It could have changed like the aspect of this kind of it's it's I'm not saying fun, but like there was tension. But knowing that, I just wonder if that would have changed anything mm. in the movie. Because it's crazy that this did come out in 1942, just like you said. So, Yeah, part of the um, commentary was they were talking about whoever read the scripts at Warner read read the script for this the day Pearl Harbor was hit and then mm. presented it to Warner as a pitch or wow. whatever Mr. Warner's name was. Bill. Yeah. Bob Warner. Wow. Bob Warner. Yeah, I did read too that maybe your documentary that touched on this about how this became really popular because of the varied cast and like the different countries represented mm-hmm. in the movie itself. So it found like, you know, it found loving homes elsewhere outside of the United States because of how it depicted the other countries that were impacted by the war. Mm. Uh, my number two, or I don't even know what number I'm up to, but I do want to talk about Claude Rains. I yes. think the breakout star of this movie. Really nice. Claude's character. Claude. My God. What a what a funny little character. And even though he tried to trick this woman into having sex with him for paper, traveling papers, I think that's what was happening with that plot, right? Yes, totally. I did, 100%. Okay. Trying to smash. <laughs> but every one of his scenes, I mean, he took over every scene that he was in, in my opinion. He was so funny. He has such charisma. He has charisma out of the ass. Like even the scene where he was talking about how if he were a woman, he'd be in love with Rick. Oh, yeah. Mademoiselle, you're in Rick's. And Rick is... Uh... Is what? Well, Mademoiselle, he's the kind of man that, well, if I were a woman and I were not around, I should be in love with Rick. But what a fool I am talking to a beautiful woman about another man. The scene that you mentioned where he is kind of just taken aback that Rick is sitting down with guests. Right. His reaction to that is so funny. When they say that, like, I'll be at your office at 8 a.m. Or we can be there at 8 a.m. to get the papers. He's like, oh, I'll be there at 10. Like, he's just so sassy in this entire movie. And I think he was in Notorious as well, right? Yeah, he's in Notorious, Invisible Man, Lawrence of Arabia, Wolfman, Robin Hood. I mean, he's he's a seasoned veteran at this point. This is, yeah, I haven't seen much of his filmography. I have seen some of it, but... This is my favorite Claude, I think, that I've seen so far. I could agree. Yeah. He's great. He's funny. Yeah. He he makes you want to be friends with him. I love the the line at the end, too. I mean, it's it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Bogart running the show from here on out. When they make the bet, and he's like, make it 10. I'm only a poor, corrupt official. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a pretty- fool I am. Uh, <laughs> talking to a woman about another man. <laughs> His line delivery is just kill- yeah. nails it. Yeah. Uh, some of the pronunciations I thought was hilarious where they talked about visas. Someone called it called them visas. A courier was called a courier. Uh, there's, I think even Bogey called it, someone is talking about bourbon. He called it bourbon. Oh, yeah. Someone does say that. I was like, what? Like, chill out. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> You're American. <laughs> Can we speak American here, Pump, please? Pump. <laughs> Oh, cripes. Let's, um, let's, I'm just changing the order right now. Okay. Just bear, just bear with me. I'm I'm, I'm off the rails today. Proto, you're up. Um, (laughs) you're number four. (laughs) Well, kind of, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I love the script too. Like the dialogue is really so good, and I think a lot of it went over my head when I was younger. But just watching it this time, there were so many like just so many clever laugh out line like comebacks from Rick um, and Claude Rains, of course. Um, and I love when movies are like that. I remember watching this being young and there was just things like, I just didn't understand what was going on. Like the whole thing with the Ugati guy in the beginning with the, um, the papers. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember thinking like, why is this guy getting a shot? Like, why is he being mm -hmm. chased? And like not understanding it at the time. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many good lines in this. Um, when he says, I think it's, I think it's Ugati. He says, you despise me, don't you? And Rick says, if I gave you any thought, I probably would. <laughs> um, him turning away the German banker at the door. I forget what he says to him, but he has a great line. Who do you think? I know there is family in there. There is no secret. You dare not kick me out of here. Yes, what's the trouble? Uh, these gentlemen. I have been in every family home between Honolulu and Berlin. And if you think I'm going to be kept out of a saloon like this, you're very much mistaken. Uh, uh, excuse me, please. Hello, Hello Rick. Your cash is good at the bar. What? Do you know who I am? I do. You're lucky the bar is open to you. This is outrageous. I shall report it to the angry. The, the scene with uh, Claude Rains where he says, um, Waters? What waters? I was misinformed <laughs> about coming to Casablanca. There's just so many... Uh, so many. Someone says the Gestapo spank at one point. <laughs> I think that'd be like a. Sounds like a good band name, but you probably don't want Gestapo in your in your mm -hmm. in your name. Also, the scene too where he rains closes down the bar, yes. and then the guy comes up. You're winning, sir, and he's like, "Oh, thank you very much." Another great scene. The Ugati Peter is it Peter Laurie, the actor yeah. who played Ugati. I. He's also has an amazing filmography. He's in so much, but can someone confirm to me too? Isn't there a Peter Laurie like caricature character in Batman the Animated Series? I could swear that one of the henchmen is an homage to Peter Laurie. Isn't it? Um, he's just a the I think puppet he, master. I'm not sure. I might maybe just, it's a puppet. <laughs> no, no. I feel like there's a henchman that looks oh, I don't I, know. like like this character from this movie and. I'll do some hardcore Googling after this, but that's just something that came to mind. His eyeballs. My Bug God. Heck. Yeah. You talk about hypnotizing. <sighs> I mean, speaking of the screenplay, I, one of the things I love the most about this is how it, it doesn't have like a genre, at least in my opinion. I, it goes from, you know, kind of a bit of action romance ending in film noir. It's just, it kind of runs the gamut of, Great styles, and uh, I, I I kind of really dig that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. definitely a nice mix. All right, so we've we've gone through our five points. So maybe uh, Danny, what's your? Oh gosh, more points. What's your um, what's your honorable mentions? Maybe in honorable mentions. I get the chills every time they they uh, have the scene where um, the Germans start playing. I'm a, what I'm assuming is their national anthem or the Nazi mm -hmm. national anthem. Um, but then it gets drowned out by the other, the other one. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the French. Uh, is it the French one? I don't know. But yeah. that scene's amazing. How the all the patrons stand up and they're singing. She's crying. It just gives me the chills both times that I've seen it.
Max Steiner's score for this is incredible. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about the way he scores it is it kind of has it the the score matches up kind of like what's going on in the sc- the scene so like the german officers walking up it's like bum 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 and then it's quiet for them to talk and it's just kind of like a brilliant score uh this is easily a five star movie for me um and i've also made it my number 3 on my letterbox top uh, 4 what yeah what the it's it's time for it to be what it's time for it to be up there this what is the f- one of my favorite movies of all time now. I just, I really love this movie. I can't stop thinking about it. Hey. Yeah. I mean, Joe Jazzy and Chat the Art is going to melt our minds. Yes. Yes. Melt him. It is. Frodo, honorable mentions, final rating for Casablanca? Um, I love the little detail of uh, Rick playing himself in chess. Mm. Just this, like this, you know, tortured guy. Like he can never win, you know. In the end, he's still like heartbroken. Um, <laughs> I love the scene where you know the captain um, Claude Rains is like, you know, we're gonna make the arrest in the club tonight to show off to the to the Nazis, and it's like the most botched arrest <laughs> ever. Like, there's five gunshots that go off in a nightclub. <laughs> there could have been five people. Te, you know, five civilians dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the Nazis like smiling at the end. He's like, "Well done, <laughs> <laughs> Nazi style." Um, I love how like the first uh, the first act of this movie. It's it's fifty. The movie is uh, I think it's it's like a hundred minutes or so. The first act to me is like when the, the first day in the club. It's fifty minutes long. And it's just like everything, how that whole scene moves um, just within the club and like how you you learn about all the different characters. Uh, I think it's just like so well constructed. Um, I, I've always loved that, how it just like, you know, like half the movie has gone by and, it, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's been one scene, but it just moves at such a good clip. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I felt like this time I kind of, I don't know, I was kind of like falling out of just like being engaged because I just, I don't know, I, I I just didn't really totally connect or believe like the love story aspect. And maybe I kind of have to just put aside, you know, put those things aside and just, you know, suspend my disbelief Mm. for Mm. Humph and Ingrid. Um, But yeah, I mean, undeniably beautiful movie. I'm at four stars. Four stars. Casablanca. Um, My honorable mensch. Let's see. If I were a woman, I'd be in love with Rick. Claude is incredible. Where is the Casablanca prequel? Where is the Casablanca sequel? Still That's crazy that there has never been produced, you know? Even a yeah. remake of some kind. I'm not going to do mm. any fan casting, everyone. Chill. Re- regird the loins. Remake this? I think there was a Simpsons plot. Of course. You know, season that I don't watch that often. I'm not sure if it's like 11 or something, but there was like, I think Bart and Lisa uncovered either the secret ending to Casablanca or a, a, a remake that they shelved. I can't remember, or a sequel or something like that. But I mean, I would love to, I would have loved to seen Humph and Claude, you know, on an adventure together. Another movie of them going at it would have been amazing. I mean, I would actually love a good one through Rick's uh, cafe. 
like Alfonso Cuaron. Oh my God. Mm. Can we get you to read through Casablanca? That could do a new Casablanca movie. It's Alfonso. That'd be. I would walk through hot coals to see that movie. Yeah. On streaming. Um, A Fling in Paris, the shot of her. Oh, yeah. The specific shot that I was referencing, Ingrid, you know, in the shadows and et cetera, was the shot of her talking about how there was a man in her life, but he's dead. That shot is nuts. The love between a 20-year-old woman and a six-year-old man. Is there anything more pure? (laughs) Um, I think she was like 25. He was maybe 48 at the time. Also, just something I just continue to be tickled by is in like this era of of movies, the older man, by a lot, is the sex symbol. Like, he's 48, 50, you know, these older men... They they just could not get more attractive in these movies. There's no twenty. There's no twenty five year olds. There was twenty year olds. You had to be aged. Been they, through they, some. They were at war, Slim. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they fight wars. Um, I wonder if that was maybe how like how Hollywood worked back then. Maybe it was something about like their contracts or just being with the studio maybe. or you know. She pulls a gun on his ass. Wrote that line. My oh my ass God. Lines that I write down when I'm watching a movie. That was when a great she pulls scene. the gun out mm-hmm. by lip emoji. We haven't even talked about it, but this is maybe the most quotable movie of all time. Yeah. Like, we'll always have I Paris, it, the Hill of Beans line, round up the usual suspects. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. I mean, it's pretty nutty. The gin quote, the gin. Yeah. Walking <sighs> in my gin bar, gin place. <laughs> I oh, we didn't really You're talk about there. Sam either. No, we haven't. Yeah. You know, that was another thought I had watching this is that like, you know, to to us, it's like, oh, it's a black man playing a piano, you know, uh, but like there, like that would have maybe been pretty exotic to have like an American playing music like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder, which I, you know, I thought about this time. Whereas- what was their relationship in the flashback? Because they were like friends, Sam and Humph, but BFFs. they just like traveled together. Like, because they went and started the bar, but I just... It was hazy on like the relationship. Did anyone know that? Neither it was their that up? it was their lake house trip. <laughs> Just best friends. <laughs> Very hazy details. The plane taking off is rad at the end. Yeah, I had a great time watching this. I I don't know why I don't hold this up to the like level as most people, like greatest movie of all time, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if it's because I didn't watch it a lot growing up. I watched other stuff, but I definitely knew of this movie growing up and maybe I just knew of it so often that I didn't really consider it one of the greats, but it's a four and a half star movie for me. It's a great movie. Fantastic. Loved it. I'm really sorry to those out there listening. (laughs) (laughs) That's the same rating as 80 for Brady, in my opinion. (laughs) So... (laughs) Oh, Bogart is. <laughs> it was great. Great way to kick off this month. I mean, we're there's nothing but bangers on this list of movies. I mean, you're sweating it though. You've already had to pivot your week. I did trade. I traded my pick to Proto this episode. Proto is going to choose the next episode. It's his episode. Um, I mean, I have like three picks. You're, and I'm having a hard time you need to whittling them month. down. Mm. You can't do this. You need to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> need to meditate? I need Put to meditate. Put down the hockey sticks. <laughs> Stop towel slapping everybody in the locker room and make my pick. 
Okay, let me. We have some VMs to get to. Okay. We have three, believe it or not. I believe you. Um, you can let us know what you think of the movie at 70mmpod at gmail.com or drop us an audio memo from your iPhone. I don't know if Android has one of those, but we have a few. So let's start off with uh, Daniel. Hello again, 70 millimeter podcast. It's me, Daniel. I left a voicemail last week and apparently there was issues. So you guys read it, but hopefully this one goes better. Um, I've really become very invested in this show. Thank you. I started oh, talking you. like you guys. <laughs> I find myself saying stuff like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> or I just kind of say, oh my God, under my breath. And, um, it's quite fun. It's quite nice. <laughs> um, I just finished watching, uh, opening night and then listening to the podcast nice. I'd never seen it before but all I gotta say is my god mm-hmm. uh, Jenna Gina Rowan is amazing in this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. Like one of my new favorite performances of all time so yes. I'm so glad you guys got me to watch it was such a good one and I've been meaning to rewatch Casablanca so here's looking at you kids Mm. Can't wait for Gosh. your episode. <laughs> Bye. Bless you. We didn't even say that. We didn't even talk about that line either. He says it so much. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Great VM. Love to hear that one of the goals of the podcast is working. Other people are trying movies they otherwise yes. never would have watched. You yes. know? The system that works. Unreal. Uh, we have Dylan up next. Hey, 70 millimeter. Uh, it's Dylan M. It's been a couple of years since I've left a voicemail for really anybody. Uh, maybe an email would have been less stressful, but this year is all about growth. So here goes. Mm. Uh, Casablanca is a really important movie for me. Yes. I saw it in high school during a film class and it really opened my eyes and taught me that old movies can be fun and exciting. Mm. Um, the, the second time, you know, it kind of made an impact on me was at the start of lockdown and I was using movies to kind of stay busy uh, like a lot of people. And I thought, you know, I know something about movies and, I started writing my own reviews and learning web design and made my own review website. And it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing that for, you know, three years and it really, you know, twice now has pushed me out of my comfort zone to go and explore new things that I might, you know, might not have ever watched before. So, uh, haven't really looked back since, uh, love the show, love the village, uh, appreciate all the recommendations and all the great content you guys put out. Have a good oh, one. Oh gosh. Dylan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dylan. a theme in these Professional VMs so Mike. far. That was a nice mic. That might have been an iPhone memos good. app. Audio memos. Bravo. Brava, Dylan. <sighs> boy, oh boy. I'm trying to think of what other movies I watched in community college film class. I think You know what? I think Passion of the Christ was one of them. Excuse not, me. I'm sorry, not Passion of Christ. Last Temptation of Christ. Oh. I think yeah. that might have been uh-huh. when I first saw that movie. Will at that old CRT. Fired up. Peter Gabriel. Oh, PG. We got one more VM from the McKenzie who put that, put this oh. entire VHS Village Top 100 together. 70mm, I wanted to send a voicemail today to just say how excited I am that you're doing Casablanca. This was absolutely going to be my pick, so back Ooh. to the drawing board for old Wilkes Ooh. over here. Uh, this movie <laughs> really blew me away the first time I saw it early, early last year, and I... It was one of those beautiful moments where a movie that you've heard about most of your life, you think 
it can't possibly be this good. And then you sit down and watch it and you go, oh my gosh, it is exactly that good, if not better. Uh, I think Casablanca is just one of the greatest movies ever made. And I'm so glad that I have it in my life now. And it's one mm. of those examples of it is never too late to discover a wonderful movie like this. And uh, I'm really glad that I watched it. And I'm so excited that you're doing it. I can't wait to talk to you about it. I just wanted to say one of the things that really resonates with me is how it was so prescient coming out you know, in the middle of the war and the refugees that are singing to drown out the Nazis are real refugees. They really mm. brought people who were actively suffering from the regimes happening in the war and put them in this film. And that scene where they sing, especially, it just, it, um, I'm going to cry. It really moves me every time I watch it because thinking about what it must have felt like to be able to sing that and see that message on the big screen in 1942. I can't imagine. Mm. Uh, so I'm really excited to hear you talk about this. I hope you all had a wonderful time. Uh, yeah. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Mm. We'll always have Paris. <laughs> <laughs> right back Thank at you, you Mackenzie. What a great, what a great group of VMs tonight. Yeah. Unreal. Unfreaking real. We did have an amazing time watching this. I watched it actually, I watched it twice. I watched did it you? again today, yeah. Proud of you. Watched it again. Fired it up. Man, what's, what's McKenzie? So Mackenzie will be our guest to close out this month. I wonder what is at the top of her list now. She'll probably tell me, boy. <laughs> Toppy boy. Can you imagine? <sighs> I'm not going to comment just yet. I'm going to wait. That's to, not Slimfluence. No. I mean, Tommy Boy, formative movie for my youth. Really? Chris Farley, David Spade together. I mean, those were on constant rotation Psycho. in my house. Constant. Mm-hmm. Um, one movie I did think of, so like Ca- Casablanca is, people say is like one of the greatest movies ever made, greatest film of all time. So 143 on the letterbox, top 250, um, narrative motion pictures. I might, I think of like the all time, I don't know. Do I want to say what I would think? Cause I want to, yes, I haven't no, given my it. pick yet. I don't, I'm not going to pick this. What if Prado picks it? Hmm. Don't say it. Say Save it. it for your, your episode <laughs> in two weeks. Since you can't decide. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say what it is. Okay. It's my Casablanca. Oh, is what it is. Your Casablanca yeah, is mine. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to pick it. Oh, but I just want to sit on it for a bit. I'm not saying I'm going to pick it. <laughs> okay. So normally this would have been my time to reveal my pick, but I got cold feet and I traded to Proto who had it on lock quote. He had it locked. Locked. If we were only yes. choosing money. We're only choosing money. We're only choosing movies from the Excuse list me. that I mentioned in the episode notes. Top 100 movies of all time is voted by our supporters. Perno, what's it going to be? Of course, this is a hard pick because there's so many yeah. movies on here. Um, 100. And um, this my pick is a movie I have seen before. Okay. And the reason I'm going with this one is because it's been a while that since I've seen it. I've only seen it once. I don't really remember totally my feelings about it, but I'm really, really curious as to what you guys will think. So that is, that's like the main driver. Cause I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know. Um, I think it'll be a really interesting conversation. Uh, so my pick is from the master himself. Oh gosh. 2011. What? Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life. Oh, oh my, my God. This is huge. I have heard Proto talk about this movie. Yeah. 
many times. Every time he comes <laughs> down from the mountaintop. Uh, <laughs> a little, uh, a, a little backstory. I, I, I think one of like the first year we had this show, um, I, I did, I did some kind of like challenge where for like picking a movie for me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when I did this? Yeah. I think this was when Ratcatcher won. Mel, <laughs> oh. Mel won with Ratcatcher. Um, but I, I had like one caveat to this whole thing. I said, if someone, I'm thinking of a movie and if somebody picks that mo- movie, I'll, that'll be the movie I do. And it was the tree of oh. life. So um, that was the movie I thought of. That was back in 2020, but uh, we're time. doing it now. Holy we're doing smokes. it now. So I'm really, I can't wait to hear what you guys think of this. Um, Listen to this. Have cast. I seen it? Listen to this cast. Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, Jessica Chastain, my queen. You named three. I thought you were going to lay like six. No, that's it. I'm not even gonna read the rest. <laughs> this goes like across different time periods, right, or something. It's like flashbacks, or yeah, the, yeah. There are some shifts, um, but yeah. Well, I I mentioned last week that uh, there was a movie with an actor we haven't done. And this will be our first Sean Penn movie. Oh I'm pretty my. sure. Oh my. Hmm. Sean I'm excited. Penn. I think I get this movie mixed up with the fountain a lot, at least in my brain. Cause when you said tree of life, like, Oh, it's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is uh, I think this is going to be a rental safe space for everybody. Um, rental time. It's a rental for uh shake out those dollars. Box. It's a, that's a Frappuccino. It could be on YouTube. You never know. Could never know. Archive.org for all we know. Yeah. You got to put the work in. Terrence Malick. On Roger Ebert's final top 10 list of all time. That's it for this week. We got a big week ahead. Big week. Danny's art, gorgeous. Finding another gear. Can't wait to see the art for yeah, this. Yeah, goodness. Tree of life. Fuck sake. Uh, Pardo, any closing thoughts this week as we venture into Terrence Malick? Yes, you know, Slim, you weren't willing to um, oh gosh, uh, t- consider a, a reshoot of Casablanca or a prequel or, or sequel, but I did. I had, oh, I, I was no. sitting down, you know, in my review, I talked about Casablanca 2 starring Timothy Chalamet. And I thought, what if I could write, you know, a little treat, uh, you know, treatment for Casablanca 2. So how about this? It's 1956. After paratrooping into Berlin with the uh, 501st, Rick, played by Timothy Chalamet, (laughs) is once again allowed to enter the United States as a hero. He settles in a small town on the coast of North Carolina, opening a weekend tiki bar that specializes in an assortment of spritzers. But unbeknownst to him, however, Ilsa, played by Sidney Sweeney, for a reason not explained, has changed her name to Ellie and has also settled in the same town with her husband, Victor Laszlo, where Victor has started a textile business, but died in 1952 when the factory caught on fire. <laughs> Unable to reignite the flame of passion between Rick and Ilsa, they, uh, Ellie, they begin a platonic relationship where Rick helps Ellie manage her books for the textile business, and she helps him mix drinks on the weekends. All is well until an underground communist cell is uncovered in the small idyllic town. And once again, they have to pick up the mantle of freedom and settle the score one more time. (laughs) (laughs) This is perfect, right? Yeah. (laughs) Who would play? Who'd play? Is Claude back? Claude Uh, Rain's character? Claude is back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's uh, fully CGI. (laughs) 
AI voice trained. <laughs> Zemeckis does it again. He's out on bail. All right, we'll see everybody next week for the Tree of Life. Millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual Guidance and V'ger, the robot who loves movies, provided by Pert Alexis. Producer at large, Dale underscore A. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin and music composed by Cinematric. Prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com. This episode was mixed, edited, and produced by me, Slim. Support our Patreon for access to our VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to our exclusive episodes in the 70mm vault, discounts on merch, uncut episodes, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, you can do so with a 20% off discount using the links on 70mmpod.com. Goodbye. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Ooh.